Welcome to the Urban Manor Podcast, the voice of interior design. We will be sharing furniture, decor, and accessory ideas, new trends, and DIYs. Let's get started with your host, Kirith Sidhu. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Urban Manor Podcast. I'm your host, Kirith Sidhu, and I'm thrilled to be broadcasting in beautiful St. Catharines, Ontario, and the heart of wine country with the wine guy himself, Tony Aspler. Him and I are chatting over a delicious glass of wine to bring the Valentine's Day curated wine selection. Tony brings over 40 years of wine experience to our podcast today, and being a thought leader in this space, Tony has achieved much fame and recognition for his work. He is now the president for Grapes for Humanity, a wine columnist for the Toronto Star, and he is consistently featured on many luxury magazines. He is also the author of an astounding 27 books, including Vintage Canada and The Wine Atlas of Canada. He is also a recipient of the prestigious Order of Canada Medal, a medal given to those who make exceptional contributions to our beautiful country of Canada. He's co-hosting on this episode of the podcast and bringing you the finest selections of wines just in time for Valentine's Day. You can introduce these selections into your home and surprise your loved ones. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you very much, Gerard. I'm really excited to be co-hosting this episode of your radio broadcast with you and to share with your audience uh, a curated list of luxury wines perfect for your Valentine's pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure for you to co-host and for the audience who isn't familiar with your work. And uh, I'd be surprised if anyone isn't familiar with your work. Can you give us the who, what and why on Tony (laughs) Astley? Oh, my goodness. Well, as you say, I've been writing about wine for 40 years and chasing the grape around the world, and one day I might catch it. Uh, But uh, you might also hear my broadcasts on 680 News about wine, and uh, I've written for the Toronto Star for 21 years. As you say, I've written a lot of books about wine, and um, I'm I'm really an advocate of wine as a healthy beverage. Nobody ever got uh, cholera from drinking wine, but you can from wa- drinking water, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, the, the, the point is that um, consumer advocate, I want to turn the consumer onto drinking wine. Um, and I don't think of myself as a wine critic, but um, basically somebody who wants to show people, direct people to the best wines available. And before we dig in deeper, can you give us the background information and how the younger generation consumes wines, how they pick out their favorites, how they learn more about wines, and uh, what to serve with dinner, for friends, for family, for hosting? What kind of information do they have at their disposal? The millennials, I guess, are very fortunate in that uh, they have all kinds of social media from which they can learn about wine. When I started... You had to read books, you had to read wine columns from established wine writers. Now, wine has become much more democratic in the sense that anybody who can type into a computer can start a blog and can give their opinions on wine. So, it's as I say, it's become much more democratized. Yes, I believe that's very true that we have social media, the internet, and all these resources at our disposal in order to find out the different types of wines, what you know suits our needs and what we prefer compared to you know the older generation which had to consume and a crazy amount of knowledge before they can even pick out one bottle that they really enjoyed. 
Alright Tony, Valentine's Day is just around the corner and everybody wants to give their loved ones a surprise. Besides the traditional and frankly boring chocolate and roses set, what do you recommend to start off the night and really set the mood? Well, in a word, champagne. Okay. I mean, there's no other beverage that sets the mood like champagne. Uh, I once asked a, um, the director of Verve Clicquot, uh, when was the best time to drink champagne? And he said, before, during, and after. <laughs> so that is the drink for all occasions, and it's the, the, my go-to drink for celebrations. And you know, you don't have to drink a whole bottle. It does come in half bottles. Yes. My wife and I celebrated her birthday recently with a half bottle of Veuve Clicquot. So that's uh, a very easy way of drinking champagne. Uh, carry on from there. But how about, you know, the more health cautious individuals, yeah. you know, the people that are into their like uh, fitness game or just want to have something with low calories, you know, lower sugar content. What do you kind of recommend for them? Well, uh, go for wines that are uh, dry because dryness means less sugar in the wine. Uh, although there's not, not many calories in a glass of wine. There's something like 200 calories in a, in a, a four-ounce glass of wine. So yes. it's, you're not actually going to put on that much weight by having a glass of wine. And it, it is actually the great thing about wine is that it, it stimulates the appetite it's a relaxant, it is something that puts you in a good mood and stimulates conversation and also helps you to digest because the acid in wine has the same pH factor as the stomach acid in your stomach. So if a glass of wine actually helps you to digest food. So is that kind of one of the reasons why people have wine with dinner? Yes, because it also... Um, Tastes better. Tastes better. <laughs> All right, cooking but with you were, wine. Yeah. You were talking about roses, you know, as as the traditional uh, Valentine's offering. Well, yes. I would say forget the roses and give rosé mm. because the pink wine, uh, you know, if, is is a wonderful wine to start off an evening too. Yes. And pink champagne or pink sparkling wine, and. Uh, I'm not, I don't subscribe to this, this idea that real men don't drink rosé yeah. because real men should try rosé because it's delicious. And it's one of those wines that you can have all year, all year round. It's not just a summer wine. People think of rosé, oh, well, that's for drinking outdoors, chilled on a summer's day. No, it's, some of the great rosés are, are quite high in alcohol from Tavel in Provence. They're they they're fourteen percent alcohol, and these wines are big enough to stand up to steak. Nice, very interesting. I didn't know uh, a lot of the details you're going into, but say like uh, I was listening to one of your older podcasts with uh, two guys that talk about wine, and uh, you were featured in the episode where you said when you started out in about 1982 when you wrote about uh, the Atlas of Can uh, Wine Atlas of Canada how there was only about five, six dis distinct wineries mm -hmm. and they were producing more white wines, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, over the last decade or two, how have you seen the transition to like maybe the darker red wines or how's the industry improved in southern Ontario as wineries? Well, first of all, the number of wineries has just exploded and 
If you come down to the Niagara region, you'll see, you know, over a hundred wineries within the region, yeah. and um, they of all sizes, and they are making really terrific wine from from Riesling to Chardonnay to Pinot Noir to Gamay, and the quality of these wines is such that they do stand up against the wines of the world, and we have nothing to be ashamed of about. Ontario wines. I'm a great advocate of drinking local. Yeah. We eat local. Why don't we drink local? That's true. That's true. So, do you see like a lot of outside international investors coming into Ontario or just throughout Canada trying to get their businesses going here? And uh, is it a lucrative opportunity to be, you know, going towards locally grown wines? <laughs> well, there's an old saying, you know, how to make a, a small fortune in the wine industry. Is start off with a large fortune. Uh, it's not as uh, it's not for everyone, but there is a lot of foreign investment. There's a lot of Chinese money yeah. uh, in in wineries in Ontario now, and there's a lot of people who have got their training in Europe or in the States, uh, who've come to Ontario, a cool climate region, to make wine, and that's fascinating as. Uh, the wines get better and better. I won. I run the Ontario Wine Awards, which is an annual competition. Now, in it's coming up to its twenty-fifth year, and the change in the quality of wines over that twenty-five years is just amazing. And I'm really proud of what the Ontario wine makers are doing. Fantastic! Like you're an advocate for locally grown wines and the industry as a whole. So, like, it is a good idea to invest into that aspect. And I feel like, you know, we can compete and we are competing with international markets such as France, Napa Valley, even probably New Zealand, would you mm-hmm. say? Yeah. Yes, we are, we're making some really very fine wines. And uh, I would just like your listeners to understand that the industry has changed so dramatically from what it was, yes. uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago even that the wines are of great quality and we should be supporting them. Awesome. So you guys support Canadian local wines. You know, farmers markets are a great place to get local wines. Yes. Yeah. And um, also, I mean, the LCBO has done a good job in helping to promote local, locally grown wines. So in order to understand, you have to look for the VQA label. Okay. VQA, Vintners Quality Alliance. If you see this label on a bottle of wine, it means that the grapes are 100% grown in Ontario. That's your guarantee. That's a guarantee. Sweet, sweet. All right, Tony, last question. And this one's about your non-for-profit, Grapes for Humanity. Mm. So can you give us a little background on that, how it started? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you see in the next two, five, uh, going on to 10 years into the future? What kind of organization are we looking at? Well, Grapes for Humanity is a foundation that uh, it's a charitable foundation that helps people in need around the world. It was started in 2000. Uh, my friend Arlene Willis and I decided to start this foundation, which uh, is based on, it was originally based on the fact that we were helping people who were victims of landmines uh, by building clinics in countries where there was a lot of landmines like Cambodia, Vietnam, uh, Honduras, uh, Nagora-Karabakh. Uh, but 
it has expanded now to help children around the world. Uh, we build schools in Guatemala. We build uh, houses for street kids in Tanzania. All of our funds are raised through wine, through wine tastings, wine auctions, wine dinners. Uh, one of our directors is Geddy Lee, the uh, bass guitarist for Rush, for example. So um, we have a lot of fun doing it. And we have uh, events throughout the year in order to raise money through wine for these projects that we take on. Beautiful. Great, great initiative and a great incentive to actually, you know, go out, you know, do something you love and tie that to the greater benefit of humanity, I guess. Right. And uh, so, folks, there you have it. Tony Aspler himself uh, with their curated wine selection for Valentine's Day. Tony, again, thank you so much for being a co-host on this episode. I really appreciate your time providing value to myself and my audience. And uh, Tony, if the audience wants to check out some of your other work, uh, where should they head? Where's your? Well, uh, go to TonyAspler.com or uh, 680 News yes. uh, and my website, TonyAspler.com. Beautiful. There you have it, folks. Another episode of the Urban Manor podcast. Please subscribe and like us. We're on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, throughout social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. And stay tuned for another podcast coming out next month. Urban Manor, contemporary living.